You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. How great thou art. What a, what a statement. In the midst of the challenges that we face, and all of us have challenges, all the circumstances that we're going to go through at different moments of time, we can look to our God and say, you are great. And it's great to have faith this morning. God bless you as you're seated just for a time. Appreciate you all coming uh, to our comfort service. This is a very special service that we've done for all of these years. And if you joined us just after we began, it's little name tags we're going to be displaying on the tree just a little bit later on in the service. And I want to tell you that it's this morning I'm, I'm heavy hearted and I know, I know, uh, Jerry is watching this morning, and this past week, Jerry's beloved wife, Janet Paxton, and my adopted mom went to be with the Lord on Thursday. They live just outside of Ottawa, and, and um, we've been traveling back and forth to Ottawa for the last number of weeks, the early part of the week, just to be with her and him and the family. Let me explain a little before I get into my message. You know, I... I I can say how great thou art because God has walked with me and he's always closer than you think. He's closer to you than you think. When I, my birth mom gave me up for adoption when I was a baby, I never knew her. I never knew I had a family. I was placed in an adopted home. It was not blood relatives, but I grew up in that home. For the first 18 years. My dad passed away early in my time, and my mom, uh, shortly after when, after my first, uh, second child was born. And that was over 30 years ago now. I've lost different people over the years to different situations. Jurgen was in a car accident. Dan was in a I'm sorry, Jurgen was in a motorcycle accident that took his life, and Dan was in a car accident in Europe that took his life. And I've been an orphan in a sense, but I've never walked alone. I've always been adopted in a new home somewhere along the line. And my first adoption was came, and then my second adoption came as I became a new believer in a family, uh, took me in and cared for me, shared Jesus with me and loved me, and I was part of their family still connected to them today very closely. But then when I moved to Ontario in 1987, I met a couple, and they would become truly my mom and dad. I spent more time with them than anybody else in this planet as far as being relative. So I've never really had a bloodline until my own family, but never my adopted brother, who was also adopted, I'm not really in touch with a whole lot anymore. Um, so I don't have any bloodline, but I've always been adopted. And uh, Janet and Jerry adopted me when I first arrived in 1987, and they've, they're the only grandparents my children have ever known, and they've cared and loved. And so three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, she was diagnosed with inoperable, fast-acting and moving cancer, and she passed away this past Thursday. Drove to, drove to Ottawa on Thursday. Actually, it's Cobden, just outside of Ottawa, and uh, drove back Friday, making some arrangements, and tomorrow we'll be with them tomorrow afternoon, um, 
commemorating Janet's life. So it's with heavy hearts that I'm with you this morning. I can identify, and it's a very important service to remind ourselves of those that have helped us get this far in life. We haven't got here by ourselves. And all you have to do long enough, all you have to do is live long enough, and you will experience grief. It's challenging grief, especially moving into the Christmas season, some for the very first time going into the Christmas season without their loved ones, and it could be years gone by and you still miss them. Holy Spirit, come. Come and comfort. Bring your mercy and compassion and grace into this place for all those remembering loved ones that are no longer here and that we're missing in this season. How do you move through a, a time of grief is challenging. It's never easy. I've never found it to be something simple or something small. I came across this old hymn, or maybe more like a poem. I, I liked poems when I was a kid. You don't read them too often anymore, and you don't even read too many new ones. But for me, words have always contained power and thoughts in there. So I came across this poem. It's written over a century and a half ago, and it's just called Abide. Abide with me. And I'm going to make some comments and connect this with our service this morning. Abide with me. Fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, helper of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What by thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who, like thyself, my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. His words were penned by Henry Francis Light, an Anglican minister in 1847. During the great famine in Ireland, he penned these words at 54 years of age, and he would die of tuberculosis within three weeks. So written over a century and a half ago, how many of us can relate to Henry Light? You see, we know this truth to be true. We can't avoid it, but death pursues us all. And though we know the truth that our time here on earth is limited, that all must, all, all must die, we act as if it were untrue. We avoid it. We don't think about it. We ignore it. So when the darkness has descended and all comforts have fled, when you feel as if all earth's joys are gone and pain and decay is all you see, what comfort is there left 
for us to hold on to. The, the challenge of grief and the, the, the loss of life is so everywhere all the time. The comfort that looks, I'll tell you what we hold on to. It's the comfort that looks beyond the grave and sees the place that the son of the living God has gone to prepare for all those who put their trust in it. There is a hope that we have that extends beyond all other hope that people looking in go, that's foolishness. But yet for those who believe, it is a grand and great hope. I think that we can agree on this. And as I get older, something's, something's happening. I don't know how, when 60 becomes old, but I'm as old as I've ever been. And as I begin to look back at 60, and Janet was 82, I think we all can agree when you get a bit older that life looks short. Life is short. But when you are born again, term we don't always use very much anymore, born again and abide in Jesus, life is full of hope, and it is never ending. The last breath on earth signifies your next breath in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. That's a promise. That's a hope that the follower of Christ, those that are growing in Jesus, begin to understand. And whatever age you meet the Lord, it will be an amazing moment. Jesus was only 33 when he gave his life away. So that I might live forever. 33. That's just getting started. We began the church. when I began the church when we were 33. My wife and I, Jody, and some of you were there with us. 30. I was only 33 when we started Mapleview Community Church. You see, death was something that you and I were never built and designed to experience. It was not that way. Death wasn't part of the program in God's original design. We were to eat of the tree of life. The tree of life would continue. We would live forever. That is part of, I think, that is part of the explanation for grief being so unresolvable is because we weren't built to go through that. We weren't built to go through separation. It wasn't an intended to be our experience. God created the Garden of Eden as a perfect place. A place of shalom, peace. We must continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem these days. Things are happening and good things and yet in the midst of challenges. But the original garden was a place of peace. A garden is a place that grows. God intended the garden to spread, to multiply, to move forward, to move, move, grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the whole earth. It wasn't until the serpent, one we know as the devil, deceived Eve and Adam. Adam's disobedience to eat of the knowledge of the good tree of knowledge of good and evil did mankind fall into sin. That's when it happened. Disobedience. It wasn't intended to be that way. The consequences we're still suffering from, the consequences of that fateful day was death. Something we were never to be part of. Now listen, if you're just growing in your faith and you need to understand something at the root of all the serpents all of satan's plans at the very root of all his plans is to kill he is a murderer from the beginning the bible says 
wherever you see wars and hatred and anger and destruction and killing and civilians and the innocent, all kinds of those things. It's Satan's plan. We've fallen into it. His cause is to kill. Death, he is a murderer and always will be. Desiring to steal away life everywhere he can. Our willingness, man's willingness to live apart from God, our decision to go our own route and buy into Satan's lie has led to death and have left you experiencing a broken heart and unbelievable pain producing what the Bible says is the sting of death. Sting, getting the sting is no fun. The sting of death, it's called. It's painful. It hurts. It's hard to understand. I watched that animated clip and I'm reminded that there are many present today in our own church family who have faced a wide range of grief over the years. Death can come in so many different ways. Over the past 26 years that I've been the pastor here, as I was preparing, I was going over some of the funeral messages and thoughts. I've officiated over 70 funeral services from friends and people in this place. I've been at bedsides many times. Never gets simple. It's never easy. Commemorating so many home goings. List goes on and on. I know I, I say this tenderly because I know they're in the place, but Hank and Cora lost their son, Colin, a number of years back. I believe it's coming up to Seven or eight years. Can't believe it. Linda, who was here in the first service, remembering Rod. I remember being in the hospital with Rod. He was in his 80s. He said, Jay, the last two years of three years of my life have been the best ever. I remember sitting with him as I heard that. Mary Christians will be remembering Chris. Julie will be remembering Brian. Reg. Vi is remembering. Gary will remember his, might, his, his mother, Gert. Diane will be remembering Harvey today. I remember Janet. I remember so many of my friends. If I haven't mentioned you or your loved one, please don't be upset. Everyone in here. Everyone in here will be remembering someone. Parents, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, friends, others, precious babies. Jim Campbell will be remembering Ashton. Ksenia and Gregory will be remembering baby Grace. I've stood at a lot of grave sites. Grief and mourning are intensely personal and almost impossible to understand for those looking in. We never understand the full extent of someone else's grief. It often invokes deep emotions and questions that only God can answer. Sometimes he remains quiet. I remember a professor saying to me, Jay, we're often bold enough to ask the questions, why? But we're not wise enough to understand the answers. So God remains quiet. But you know this. Grief tells another story. There's another story connect. The pain of the poet Alfred Lord Tennyson in his poem shortly after the death of one of his best friends, articulates it at one of, one of the most quoted lines of his, that he ever wrote. 
And I had a hard time understanding this until my dad passed away. And I, again, I say, even in my young life, I, I, I was before even being a follower of Christ, I, words were important to me. And he wrote, I hold it true, whatever it befall. I feel it when I sorrow most. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Oh, those were complexing, complex words for me. I did not understand them before I experienced grief. To love, to have loved and lost and never to, I get it afterward. I would rather have been in love with that person and cared about that person and been part of their life and lost them than never to have had them at all. It would have been a greater tragedy if I never was part of their lives. The painful sting of death reminds us that we live in this fallen and broken world and the consequences of sin still affect us all. Death. But as Christ followers, we are not a people without hope. There is great hope. In the last chapter of Luke, chapter 24, we find these two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus in a very discouraged state. They are dealing with Deep loss. They were filled with the sadness and gloom as they walked along talking together of the death of Jesus. It's perplexing. Their pain evident. You, they had been with him for the past three years. At age 33 in the prime of his life, he was unfairly taken from them by corrupt men. He was innocent. Totally, completely innocent. The painful sadness and grief and early death was, of his early death was real for them. It was, it's always real when someone's taken from us. It's never something we expect and want. It's, and we're never prepared for it. It had to have challenged their faith, their core belief. Doubts of God. Was he really the Messiah? They brought many questions to mind. Often... Loss will do that, won't it? Even though we know it's going to happen. Many questions come to mind. Yet in the midst of their pain, a man shows up who bears a likeness of someone they knew, but they couldn't quite tell who at that moment. As they're walking and talking, they mourning the loss of their teacher and friend, the stranger coming alongside somehow brings comfort to them. He began to share words of encouragement. Words of encouragement are still powerful. Your words can make a difference to people's lives depending on how, what, how and what you say. Words of encouragement. It doesn't cost anything. It's not harmful to look on the bright side. Help people understand. He began to share words of encouragement. He talked about all that had come from Jesus' life. He shared about the miracles and the moments and the memories and all those amazing things. He talked from the times of Moses to the death, to, to Jesus' death. And the stranger sparked something in them ever so small. It's what I want to spark in you this morning for all of you. He sparked something of a hope. There's hope in Jesus. There's always hope. He's closer than you think. As night began to fall, the Bible says that the two disciples begged him, abide with us, stay with us, remain with us, for it is already late and the sun is going down. Verse 29 says, so Jesus entered in to abide with them. 
And as they had supper together, they broke bread. The stranger broke bread and gave thanks. And all of a sudden, their eyes were opened and they saw that who it was, Jesus. It was Jesus. He was there walking with them. At that moment, he vanished. Oh, how I could make you believe as I want to believe and I know and trust in many that God is closer. Nearer to you than you think. In the midst of your grief, if you and I only had the spiritual vision to see his presence, his presence. God had never intended you to go through this pain, suffering and death, and he doesn't delight in it at all. He draws close. A couple of thoughts I just want to draw from this little walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Three thoughts I see coming from this, the disciples' grief. First off, some very simple things. Go for a walk. It seems so simple, but how few of us ever do it. Go for a walk. Find time to get alone. Something we don't do very often is find time. I drive back on Friday morning. I left the Ottawa Valley and started driving home at around 9 o'clock in the morning and four hours of just no radio, no nothing, just, just prayer and thinking. And Got home and went for a walk. It was amazing. The, the, at one point, the sun burst through the clouds and and I'm walking in the weather and the snow was on some of the trees and it was cool. I clipped a picture of it. God's presence. Just a little reminder. He's faithful. Find time to get alone with God. Be, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. You need to be still. His presence is going to be lost if you're going 100 miles an hour all the time. Be still and know I'm God. It's the first part of Psalm 46 verse 10. The word still comes from a word meaning let go or release. Cause yourself to let go. You need to spend time in his presence to let go of some of the hurt and the pain and the brokenness and sadness. And we walk around with all that pain because we're never still. You need to come to a place where you're willing to, to get into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A place where you can cry. No one around. No embarrassment. Just cry. Tears are, for me, I've come to look at them as liquid prayers. When you just run out of things to say, you don't know how to say it. Your heart aches and broken. You want to call on God. And so what? You just, you cry. There's a place in God, you, between you and the Lord, you can be angry. I remember being out in some fields, trying to figure out some of the things going on in my life and being angry with God. And you feel like, oh, I can't be angry with God. He's perfect. Bye. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and I was angry. Feeling lost. Being mad. Some, some of us need to wrestle with God until we, until we find his presence. There's moments in time when I've even had to forgive God. You say, well, God is perfect. And he is. But again, I'm not. And I, the loss and the pain I was suffering with my dad's death and throughout the, some of the years after that. I just had to say, Lord, I don't understand. But I forgive you. Job says this, even though he slay me, I will trust in him. The sovereignty of God is not easily understood. 
The calling of a loved one home is for God alone to understand. We don't like that. We want to find solutions. We want answers. But God alone sees with his eyes the beginning from the end. He's the only one omnipotent, seeing from the beginning to the end. Only God operates out of a complete, God operates out of complete compassion and the wisest of intentions. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's best. Only his plans are the highest and best purposes. We sang the song. Carla sang it. Trust in God. It's a big order these days to trust God with some of our pains and his purposes. I know it is for me. This past Thursday, my Ontario mom, Janet, passed away at 82 years of age to be with Jesus. She was not my real mom, not my blood, by blood, but I spent more time of my life with her than any other mom I ever had on this planet. Where many of you would have blood relatives that you would share your time with. My life has been made up of only adopted families. Now I have my own family, and of course, they're everything. My adopted dad passed away in 1981, my adopted mom, 1993. I have no living relatives of my early age, except for my brother, and I'm not in touch with him very often. Yesterday, I walked and prayed, and I worshiped, I cried. I remember, I was remembering Janet as I was trying to prepare for her funeral, the best message, the best way I can. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. Secondly, in this three things is find a friend that will walk with you. A genuine friend, or one that will be there, that will show up, that's not there to give advice and direction and guide and never tell you how you should feel, just someone that will sit with you. The sadness of those two disciples walking along the road together after Jesus' death is a picture of your need to walk with others and sadness. You don't just pull away from everybody. There will, be, there will never be a good enough explanation for the tragedy and the loss that you feel. And with, when disappointed with God seeks to overwhelm you, the faithfulness of friends can help carry you through. Proverbs tells us that. The Bible is so filled with wisdom. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They will tell you the truth. They will help you. They will encourage you. They will walk with you. Through the days, though the day was sadness and filled with sadness, those two disciples had each other. They walked together. I've heard it said, I've said it over the years, but I say it no longer. They'll say to you, don't isolate yourself. Don't sit alone. But I would say to anybody that says that, don't allow your friend to sit alone. Don't allow him to be. You go find him. You go help him. Be a friend like that. Don't just say if you need anything, just call. They're, you're never going to call. No one's ever going to call. Just call me if you need. Yeah, I need help. No, They're not going to do that. You need to go and get them. You need to show up at their door. You need to knock. You need to come by. You need to see how they're doing. You need to, and oh, in our busy schedule, oh, but just call and I'll be there. No, that's not the way it works in the church. You go and help them carry one another's burdens. My friends would come and pick me up and make me go with them, even when I didn't want to. After my dad's death, my friends would come by in a red convertible and say, Jay, let's go for a cruise. I go, no, I don't feel like it. I'm just, no, 
they'd make me go. And I'd sit in the back, glum, not wanting to be there. But they did it day after day, month after month. They'd show up until finally I realized I had more to live for. Abide with us, for it is already late and the sun is going down. The third one. The two disciples asked Jesus to abide with them. Jesus is there for you. And stay with us, Lord. God, I need you, Jesus. God, I need you. Help me. And I want to say without forcing you to do anything that you don't want to do. Because that's not the way. Keep hanging on to Jesus. Keep searching for Jesus. Keep looking, hoping, seeing him. A new day is dawning. His faithfulness will be seen. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus goes to prepare a place for you. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus, don't look at it as the more days that pass, the longer it is since I've seen my loved one. In Jesus, you say, the more days that pass, the sooner I'm going to see them again. The day draws close when my time will come and I will see them again. Separation shouldn't be looked as more days passing, but you're getting closer to the reunion. And each day you draw close to seeing, goes by, you draw closer to seeing your loved one again. Let me close with this scripture verse, this psalm. It says there in Psalm 39, listen closely, this is, this is such an articulate story, a little passage of our life that I want to set to my heart this morning. And Jerry, if you're listening, set it to yours. Lord, every word so powerful. Lord, help me to know how fleeting my time on earth is. Help me to know how limited my life is and that I'm only here but for a moment more. What a brief time you've given me to live. Compared to you, my lifetime is nothing at all. Nothing more than a puff of air. I'm gone so swiftly. So too are the grandest of men. They are nothing but a fleeting shadow. We live our lives like those living in shadows. All our activities and energies are spent for things that pass away. We gather, we hoard, we cling to our things only to leave them all behind for who knows who. And now, God, I'm left with one conclusion. One conclusion. This is the psalmist writing, one conclusion. My only hope is to hope in you. How fleeting and frail our lives were nothing more than a puff of air. Wow, that one hope transcends, transforms everything about us. If you hold on to that hope, you're never going to see death like the world sees it. Your last breath on earth will be your first in heaven. In Jesus, in the hope you have in Jesus, there's no fear of death. You don't have to be afraid. But what I want to do is I want to use the time that I do have on earth to live for something of purpose. To always be a learner. To learn. There's so much more to learn. I want to, I want to love those around me. And it's hard. It's 
challenging. It takes time and energy. And hopefully, if the Lord should allow, I want to leave a legacy to those that follow. As the Apostle Paul so beautifully and succinctly points out, to be present with the Lord to mean is to be absent from the body. If you're going to see Jesus, you're not going to see it, see him like in your body, not the way we live right now. And I don't want to be trapped in this body forever. There's so much more. Jesus' words, and I finish with this. John chapter 14. If you've been in any type of grieving services or comfort services or tribute, you'll probably have heard this. Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. I want to speak this over you this morning. All those that are facing challenge and grief and memories that are. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. Look to Jesus. Turn to him. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am also. There's going to be a day for those that hope in Jesus, those that place their faith in him, those that say, Jesus, come into my life. I need you to redeem my heart, forgive my sins. There's going to be a place for you in heaven. You're going to meet loved ones that have gone before you, a great cloud of witnesses that could even be watching right now. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.